You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. It's the A Foreign Affair podcast, where, unlike FIFA, we won't tell you yet who the Balloon Door winner is this year, but just like, um, oh, I, had, I had such a good intro for this in my head earlier, uh, we are, we are basically, we are basically the Adnan Yanazai of the podcasting world. We've been brought into the NGSC Sports Fold to save it. Just like Manchester United is hoping Adnan Yanisai saves their top four ambitions. Welcome back to the Afford Affair podcast. I am Edward Green, uh, joined as always by my colleague Wes Bradshaw, and we are here to bring you another exciting weekend of Premier League football recapping. We'll also have League Cup first leg matches to discuss, as well as an FA Cup preview. We also have a ton of news and notes to get to. This is the start of the transfer window in the January winter period. So we'll be talking about some movings and shakings going on with that. And of course, what would our podcast be without a dumb NFL story of the week? As well as we'll also have, of course, uh, the other big story of the week. We'll round out the show with Watch 4 and So Raw, which, Wes, you're a... You went a little overboard Facebook posting this week about it so raw. Oh, have you seen my Twitter? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did that too. I mean, personally, right now, if we just literally skipped all the soccer and just went to so raw, I would not have a problem at all. Well, we're not going to quite do that, but uh, it might be. I want to warn our affiliates, we may be going long tonight. Um, if you want to... And, and, just, and just, just a little teaser, because that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a tease. A, another new, totally unrelated wrestling story has broken in the last 15 minutes. Are you serious? Uh, yeah, and this one's, this one's really big. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to hear about it. Uh, but if you want to chime in, you can on Twitter. We are at AFA Pod collectively. We're also individually at West Bradshaw 21 and at Edward Green. You can also find our sister show, The All New Sports Show, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, email allnewsportshow at gmail.com. And you can send letters and parcels to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. 27804. Wes, let us waste no more time because I know you were itching to get to So Raw. So first, we must trek through England and the Premier League. And what a Premier League weekend it was. Not not a not a great one for Wes, but uh it started on Wednesday for him, and he did get that big 3-0, I mean 1-0 win over Sunderland on Wednesday. But unfortunately, on Saturday, it was not meant to be as big Andy reared his big head again, putting shriek. He put West Ham up 2-0 to the good at um, the boiling ground and gave West Ham a big 2-0 win over what is rapidly becoming a very depleted Liverpool side. 
Your other matches from Saturday uh, included Arsenal getting a 1-0 win at the Emirates against Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle created a lot of chances but could not convert any of them as well as a bottom team should. Arsenal uh, had one chance late and they did take it on a Lauren Koscielny. Uh, goal uh, off the head of Olivier Giroud that he just tapped in. Really feel Newcastle's keeper should have done a little bit better on that. But Arsenal will take the three points that see them go top of the table. Elsewhere, it was Leicester City nil, AFC Bournemouth nil. Uh, it's a point for the Foxes. And as Claudia Ranieri exclaimed in the post-match, we have 40 points, we're safe, it's champagne for my players. Uh, I would like Claudio to have a little more insight into where he is at the current moment, second in the Barclays Premier League, and to maybe have a little loftier aspirations at this point, uh, 2038s through the season. But nonetheless, the Foxes most likely will be staying up this Premier League season. Uh, Bournemouth is making their push as well. They get a nervy draw on the road despite giving a penalty Maybe a little bit questionable to Jamie Vardy. Riyad Mahrez's strike was saved, though, by the keeper, who's maybe a little off his line when he did it. But oh well, it is a nil-nil draw for both sides. Uh, at Old Trafford, it was Manchester United 2, Swansea City 1. Swansea's struggles continue. Gilfie Sigurdsson does get his third goal of the campaign, but Wayne Rooney rears his balding head once more with a little backflip. We call that in these parts a Son Hyung Min, actually. <laughs> Tottenham. And Manchester United pulls off a 2-1 win against struggling Swansea. Anthony Martial opened the scoring for United in that one. Uh, Norwich won Southampton nil. Well, we thought Southampton might be doing a little bit better, but maybe that Arsenal game is the outlier in what has been a disappointing second third of the campaign so far for Ronald Koeman's side. Norwich City do get a big win at home in their push to stay up. Sunderland 3, Aston Villa 1, the Black Cats and Big Sam get a huge win over struggling Aston Villa with a brace to win it by Jermaine Defoe. It was a bit of a Tottenham-Liverpool connection on the second goal for Defoe, or actually his first goal, second goal of the match, as it was Glenn Johnson who fed him in the box, which Defoe coolly took for the match winner. West Brom 2, Stoke 1. Most notable thing that happened in this one was Jeff Cameron getting sent off on a dodgy straight red after it looked like he got his hands up into an opponent's neck area and sort of gave him a what for. Uh, and the opponent did a marvelous acting job to go to ground, shrieking in terror as if a knife had just been plunged into the back of his neck. Cameron will not miss any matches uh, due to his, a red card suspension as he won his appeal to the FA. Uh, finally, on Saturday, it was Watford 1, Manchester City 2. Watford looked like all the world. They were going to pull off a big win at home against the title champions, still waiting. But City picks up their two biggest goals of the campaign, an 82nd-minute strike by Yaya Torre and an 84th-minute header by the keen Sergio Aguero to give City all three points in a match where it looked like for all the world a typical city performance would net them none on Sunday it was Crystal Palace nil Chelsea three Palace have struggled mightily 
relatively speaking, at Silhurst Park this season. But Chelsea made it their home this past weekend. Goals from Diego Costa, Oscar, and Willian in a match that Chelsea desperately needed under Gusirik to try and get back into the top half of the table. And finally, it was Everton 1, Tottenham 1. Tottenham got a well-deserved equalizer in the first half stoppage time on a beautiful Deli Ali goal uh, that was set up by Toby Alderweireld, just like they did against Stoke. Aaron Lennon had the goal for Everton, and as is tradition, did not celebrate against his former team. So those are your 10 matches from the weekend. Uh, Wes, we won't talk too much about Sunderland uh, falling to Liverpool 1-0. So let's just go straight into um, West Ham 2, Liverpool 0. Um, what are your thoughts after a match that uh, Jurgen Klopp said he was very, very angry about? It was definitely a righteous anger from the Klopp. Mm -hmm. Um, A comment he made was, you can't play this game at 95%, Mm -hmm. which obviously meant that Liverpool seemed to not have their heart in the match for whatever said reason. Um, You know, one thing that I see with Liverpool – when we start Benteke, mm-hmm. we play a totally different game than when we start Origi or Sturridge or even Firmino up top. Okay. It, it becomes a much more stagnant sort of play that we have, um, you know, which seems to be, you know, it's kind of like playing basketball and having the big center in the middle. Right. You know, you feel like you've got to feed the big guy. And, you know, then basketball teams, they'll take that center off and they'll go small and suddenly everything seems to open up. And, you know, they're a lot quicker, a lot more dangerous sometimes, it seems. That's what Liverpool seems. You know, 32 and a half million pounds for a striker, that seems like a liability when he's on the field for long stretches. At this point, Benteke looks to be the most expensive impact sub in Liverpool history. <laughs> More than you can but say I mean, about Andy Carroll. No, more than you can say about Andy. Uh, problem with Andy, Andy could never stay uh, healthy. <laughs> but um, I mean, that, that's the whole thing. You know, he, I mean, even the goals that he's scoring, you know, he, score, he scored some really nice goals. You know, the one against Sunderland right out of the break was, you know, that was fantastic. But then it's almost like he, it's almost like after he scores a goal, it's just like, all right, I'm cool. We're cool. No problems. Let's just, you know, let's just get really slow all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Um, The West Ham match, we just never looked like we got out of second gear at all. Um, (coughs) Once West Ham scored early, Liverpool started chasing the match, and they just did not have the team on the field to chase the match. You know, injuries are absolutely a problem. We'll We'll get into that more a little later when we get into Liverpool's uh, League Cup <laughs> trip to Stoke yeah. uh, before I pull out, you know, the big gun with the injury stats. Um, but, uh, you know, the thing is, you get some people, you know, saying, well, you know, Klopp's not Klopp's not the miracle man that you all thought he was going to be Liverpool. Ha, 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 ha. Klopp has yet to have anywhere close to a full healthy team. That's very true. I mean, I, I want to almost say Sturridge has played one match for him. I, I 
thinks. And I don't think he's... No, I think... I was going to say I don't think he's actually started a match for him. I don't know if he has... I don't think he has started a match. I think he may have come on the bench once or twice. Yeah. And other than that, I mean, he's, you know, typically needs to be wrapped in bubble plastic. Yeah. But, I mean, the center back situation, the midfield situation... <laughs> I mean, that, that's the whole thing. It's just a real big situation, and we'll get into it a little more later as well. I mean, Liverpool are going to – Liverpool are recalling guys from loan as we speak. Yes. I mean, they're they're calling kids to come back because we've got to have bodies. Um, you know, there's a lot of rumors floating around right now for the transfer window. Uh, and, and, I mean, they're not these – it's not these huge – home run signings that everybody's dreaming of. No, they're signings that we, we've got to have bodies to play games. Oh, yeah. You know, so, uh, I mean, there's there's definitely, we're not bringing Messi in here, but, uh, I mean, Klopp, who said, I don't want to have to go out and buy players, has now come back and said, yeah, we're going to have to buy some guys. <laughs> uh, it, it's just, it's really tough right now. Um, he wants to play a certain style of play. And right now, he does not have the players to do it. Um, and then just add to the fact that there's still inconsistency from some guys that you're counting on more. You know, there's guys trying to do things that they're not really built to do. And then there's guys who just seem like they're kind of going through the motions because they've already determined, well, I can't do this, so I'm not really going to try hard on it. Like like who? Who, who, would, who in your estimation is doing that? I mean, I think Benteke is one. Okay. You know, now we, we keep hearing from Benteke, oh, I've talked to the manager, I'm going to run more. All right, do it. Um, as strange as it might sound, you know, Coutinho at times has been like that. Uh, Coutinho seems resigned. And, and one of the problems is, you know, I know I really sound like I'm piling on Benteke here. I guess I am a little bit. But, um, you know, one thing that's made Coutinho such a great guy when it comes to setting up goals is when he has good movement. Origi gives you the movement. Sturridge gives you the movement. Guys who are moving and opening up, opening up passing lanes, Coutinho has always played that killer ball so well into scoring opportunities. Well, now if he's got Benteke out there, you know, Benteke standing like a statue, Coutinho has nothing to do. So Coutinho's like, well, shit on it. And he'll just try to drill like a 30-yard shot that he has maybe a 1 in 500 chance of doing something with. Right. And it turns into a wasted shot. You know, it turns into just a waste of the possession at the point. Um, you know, so it's 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 frustrating to watch. And and I get, I mean, I get tired of you know. Last year, of course, Ed, what was my famous phrase for 2015? Blood him in. We got a blood in the lads. We got a blood in the lads. Well, we don't have to blood in anybody here. It's just the guys we've got, A, yes, it would be great if they were all healthy, but they're not. So the guys who are there, they've got to try to play the system, and they've got to they've got to give all of themselves to the game. My, my last... You know, don't, oh. hold back. don't hold back on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. My, last, my last little comment on that would be then, then, then who's... I don't want to say who's at fault because I don't want it to come off like that. Uh, I guess it's more whose whose responsibility is it then? Does does Ben Teke need to start taking more ownership of it? Does does uh, does Klopp need to do a better job with Ben Teke? Obviously, we're not in Liverpool, so we don't know what's going on every day at training. 
But it, who's at, at this point with what's been going on, what you've said, who's who's more responsible? I don't want to say who's to blame, but who's more responsible? Is it Ben Teke for for being this more statuesque player, or is it Klopp for not utilizing the system or, or adjusting his system to that style of player at the top? <clears throat> See, I don't know if I want to blame anyone. I don't know if I want to blame either of those guys right here. Here's the problem. Okay. Benteke was bought in the summer. And when he was bought, I mean, what did I say when he's bought? I don't really know how this guy fits our system. Yes. Yes, he did. <clears throat> I mean, and I understand what you're saying. Well, you know, do you need to adjust your system? Well, here's the thing. You've got 10 other guys on the field who were bought to play in the system. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this one outlier who wasn't. Who do you think needs to adjust? Yeah. Um, and then the problem is, I don't know if Benteke is physically able to play this system. For Jurgen Klopp right now, Jurgen Klopp is still, to me, he is in such a honeymoon phase, it's not funny, because all you have to do to defend Klopp or anything about it is just say, I mean, you know, this is just what he was given. He hasn't been able to bring in any of his own people. Um, you know, he inherited this squad, a squad that he did not build. He had no say in building. There are no players on this Liverpool squad that Jurgen Klopp had ever worked with or had ever, you know, or, or that he purchased. Mm-hmm. Um, so really right now, Klopp, God, Klopp's got a clean slate. Klopp's got a, Klopp, you know, the joke, Klopp's got a hall pass. Yeah. I mean, you know, because you can't blame him until until you let him get some of his own players in and then if he fails it's Klopp's fault. I mean, if anyone's fault right now it's this is Brendan Rodgers' fault. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I sound, I sound like getting back to our political take. I sound like a political person. Oh, this is Bush's fault. Oh, this is Clinton's fault. Oh, this is Reagan's fault. This is Jimmy Carter's fault. Well, it was kind of Jimmy you know, Carter's it's, fault. It, well, it's it's always the guy before. It's always his fault. Right. <laughs> Don't forget that. It's always the guy who came before you. That's that's very uh-huh. true. Well, we'll have to see. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about it when we get to the uh, the Capital One Cup match. But I think you're right. I think it's 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 both people are trying to make the best of a somewhat awkward mm-hmm. situation with with the personnel. And I I do agree with you. I think Benteke was brought in as a Brendan Rodgers guy. And, and is not getting to play a Brendan Rodgers system necessarily. So we will have to see. Well, and and, and, and I, I will also say, and this is kind of the last thing I have to say about, a healthy Daniel Sturridge changes yeah. so much at Liverpool. <sighs> what a unicorn that is. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's what it is as a unicorn. But a healthy, a healthy Daniel Sturridge does so many more things because it opens up every door. You're not wrong. I'll try not to be. You're not wrong. You just, who knows if we'll ever see that again. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in the Capital One Cup match. Uh, we'll talk a little Tottenham 1, Everton 1 right now. Um, Spurs still haven't lost on the road in the Premier League since their opening match uh, to Manchester United to start the campaign. Uh, they, they get a 1-1 draw at Everton despite Harry Kane who was in mid-goal celebration when the ball bounced off the inside of the post after beating Tim Howard and then somehow didn't actually go in. Uh, I, I think we were all pretty shocked at that one. It was a pinpoint shot, 
completely beat Howard, and then somehow the ricochet went wide of the goal instead of going in, as you've seen so many times off the inside of the post. Uh, ben Davies also hit the post uh, before Ali scored his equalizer uh, in a goal that surely, surely he thought was also in to hit the underside of the crossbar. Um, Lennon's shot was pure class, although it did come quite against the run of play. Uh, Tottenham, Tottenham really the entire first half um, imposed their will on Everton, and that's that's something I, I like to see. And unlike in some games, while yes, Everton did come into the game more in the second half, that was more to the adjustments Martinez made and not so much of the players tiring or poor substitutions or anything like that. Um, and still, they only had maybe one really good chance in the second half, and that was on a, um, I believe it was Boric, uh, who had a shot that uh, Loris had to kind of tip away. Otherwise, you know... On one hand, it's a good draw to come back from being down 1-0 against the run of play to come back and get that well-deserved equalizer. On the other hand, it does feel, West like a drop two points when you're trying to make a, uh, a Champions League spot. Not necessarily that they didn't play well enough to win, but that just, you know, it was one of those games where the breaks just didn't go for uh, Spurs the whole time. Oh, you're absolutely right. Um, a match that, you know, Spurs fans are looking at this going, how the hell did we not win this match? Yeah. Um, I mean, those are the days that come around in the Premier League, and they come around every sport days that you play so well that you should have won going away. And then when time runs out or, you know, the last batter strikes out, you're sitting there like, how the hell did we not win this match? Yeah. Um, it happens every day, and that was just the day it got on Spurs. Uh, Kane's shot was absolutely gorgeous, a screamer mm-hmm. that left Tim Howard absolutely flailing. And when he hits the bar, instead of just pinging in like it does probably 95 out of 100 times, it goes straight across the face of goal, nobody there to tap it in. Yeah. Um, it, it was it was just an unlucky day for Spurs. And as a Tottenham fan, you just hope that at the end of the year – you're not one or two points out of fourth place. Absolutely. Um, one thing I do want to mention uh, to kind of tie it back into, you know, a little bit something else. Uh, Arlo White mentioned on Twitter that to start them, I believe to start the match at Everton, um, there were 11 English players on the field out of the 22. Uh, something that Roy Hodgson will no doubt love. And, you know, we were naming... You know, people that that could be stalwarts for a long time on the England team. You know, Harry Kane, Deli Ali, uh, Ross Barkley, um, among others. And then an interesting point came up. Uh, Jamie Carragher, who who felt like running his mouth a little bit this uh, this past weekend with on a couple different target uh, hey, topics. Harry's from Wow, fantastic impression. Um, he mentioned on to. Uh, he mentioned that uh, he thought uh, Ali should actually start over Barkley at next year's uh, Euro 2016, or I guess now this year's Euro 2016 campaign. As an England fan, what do you think about that? Because personally, I don't know if Ali should be starting over Barkley, but I do know that his emergence has made it that much harder in my eyes to have Rooney in a starting eleven, or even possibly a a eighteen. I mean, look, we've said before, there's no way Rooney's coming out of that starting eleven. You know, Roy Hodgson 
<clears throat> Roy Hodgson is notorious with sticking with veterans, uh-huh. and Rooney's not going anywhere. Literally, unless Rooney completely falls apart physically, Rooney's not going anywhere. So just go ahead and be ready for Rooney. Um, oh my God, that's a TV show. Anyway, um, <laughs> right. so Rooney's going to be there. I mean, my whole deal with Deli Ali, the kid's playing phenomenal. Um, I mean, to me, you go into that tournament, whoever's the informed player, that's who you go with. Uh, I, I mean, it's great. To, you know, truly, it's great to have them both. It's great to have a backup just in case something does go wrong. I mean, you know, think if, I mean, just think, you know, maybe Deli Ali is playing fantastic. He goes in there and suddenly it's like he just realizes, holy crap, I'm starting in Euros. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, you know, well, then you've got Ross Barkley right there. You go in and Barkley's just not performing. You know, you've got a guy like Deli Ali who can go in. Um, Jamie Carragher is a pundit. Yes. And Jamie Carragher's job is to be controversial, and his job is to create uh, discussion. So, um, I mean, as of right now, though, you know, Deli Ali is the informed man. Um, among the players who uh, will represent England in 2016. So, um, you know, I mean, I don't think he's really playing devil's advocate too much. He's just, he's just speaking, he's just speaking the truth right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Ali has been fantastic. And I know I say it every time, but again, this time last year, he was playing League One football for MK Dons. Um, And we might get to another person who was purchased in the January transfer window and then loaned immediately back in our news and notes a little later. Um, but one more stat I did want to throw out on Deli Ali before we move on to another match, uh, and I found this very, uh, very amazing. Um, Deli Ali is one goal away from tying Jack Wilshire's career goal total at Arsenal. <laughs> so. You want to talk about injuries absolutely robbing someone yeah. of such a promising career I mean Jack Wilshire when Jack Wilshire was 17 18 years old I mean he was the future of England he was by far the best technical young player that England had produced in a generation mm-hmm. and that's not to say he's still not but at this point Jack Wilshire is Arsenal's answer to Daniel Sturridge yes and it is so I mean just think about just those two names Ed how much different well how different A would both of their teams be Mm -hmm. Arsenal luckily have you know Arsenal's done well enough they've kind of replaced I think what Wilshire would bring anyway but A think about Liverpool with Sturridge and B think about England with Sturridge and Wilshire oh yeah I mean it's a game changer they're both game changers they're that kind of talent and unfortunately, you know, it looks like two of, I mean, two of England's top guys of this generation are going to go down as, as being injury cases and never fulfilling their vast potential because of injury. Yeah. You know, not, not because of partying off the field, not because, of, you know, it's not Paul Gascoigne here who, you know, becomes a hardcore alcoholic and shows up for matches drunk. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about two guys who, you know, they're professionals. I mean, you know, they both have their share of, you know, little niggling off the field issues. I mean, Wilshire, okay, Wilshire's worst thing he does, he smokes. Uh, I mean, Sturridge, Sturridge likes to go party some. But, I mean, we're not talking about guys who are showing up for training inebriated or, you know, 
showing up for matches hung over and that's why they can't play. I mean, we're, we're not talking, talking about, about Johnny Manziel here. No, no, we're not talking about English Johnny Manziel's here. I mean, but we're just talking about guys who they come to work, they want to play. They just their bodies are <clears throat> completely betraying them for whatever the reason may be. It is it is a little unfortunate, although we will take no pleasure in telling that about an Arsenal player. Um, let's move on to uh, Watford 1, Manchester City 2, Wes. I mentioned it before. This this may be a match. I don't know how you can turn around your season when you're already in the top three. Uh, but this this could be the one for City. Uh, it looks for all the world like another one of those typical City losses where we would pummel, that, pummel them for, for appearing a little lackadaisical, a little out of it. Uh, Watford has been very good this season uh, and has really given a lot of teams problems at Vicarage Road. And then all of a sudden, on the turn of a dime, there's Torre, there's Aguero, ball game. Is this is this a match that can turn around Manchester City's season and reignite their title campaign? Ah. <clears throat> <sighs> I mean, I just, I personally just think they ran into a bit of good fortune. Um, you know, and, and Ed, I mean, we've talked about it here on the show recently. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm done saying that one game is turning something around or deciding something for anyone. I mean, you know, if I wanted to go that route, I would have said, oh God, Liverpool's, they've blown everything by their match against West Ham. And then I would have said after Tuesday, oh, God, Liverpool have turned it around with the win uh, in the in the League Cup because they played so well. I mean, it's just you – know, we've talked about it before, the Premier League of parity. Yeah. I just I just think that's where we are. But it, this, it, this it, felt like a match City should have lost. It does. But, you know, in the past, there are teams in the past. You know, Manchester United under Sir Alex were – famous for doing this you know uh, losing being you know losing a match and then winning it and then finding a way to not only to equalize but to win it in the last eight minutes mm-hmm. you know it, it was called fergie time they were amazing at it yes no lead was ever safe against united i mean for city this just almost more feels like eh, okay they got a little bit of good luck but i mean i would i would, i mean god you saw what they did today in the league cup yeah I mean, and I wouldn't be shocked if they go and lose their next Premier League match. I mean, it's just, there's too much, there are too many moving parts this season to try to point to one moment as this changed everything, this this fixed everything, this did that, or this did this. Uh, Lastly, that... I'm not sold on. Okay. And lastly, we'll talk about uh, Palace nil, Chelsea 3. Um Palace did have a good run of it in the first 20 minutes. Uh, Chelsea's at first goal actually came a little bit against the run of play uh, when Costa fed Oscar for the first goal. Uh, but I know you don't want to make sweeping proclamations, but it has been a couple matches. Is Chelsea back on the right track? And is this just further proof that Mourinho had actually just worn out his welcome in the locker room? Um, one thing we're seeing from Chelsea... Uh, we saw, we've seen it since Goose has come in. They're playing a much looser brand of football, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that. I don't mean that as in, oh yeah, we're just you know, 
free flowing and fancy free now. It, it just, it almost seems like a weight has been lifted off of the Chelsea players. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for whatever, whoever you want to blame about the Mourinho situation, whether you want to blame the players or you want to blame the coach or you want to blame Roman, the one thing you can we can the one thing we can definitively say is that there was some bad mojo going on around Chelsea. Oh, absolutely. And you know when there's bad mojo, even if it's not totally your fault, someone has to take the sacrifice at some time, mm-hmm. or that fog is never going to lift. And I just. You know, for whatever reason, it's just, all right, Mourinho's gone. Exhale because there goes the drama. And now that the drama's out of here, you know, we can, we can, we can play again. So uh, I just, I just think they're finally, I don't know if they're getting back into the groove, but they're just playing a lot more with a lot more breathability now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Willian's goal was was fairly standard for how he's played this year. Uh, I think most people would be in agreement that up even into uh, Mourinho's firing, Willian was Chelsea's best player this year, uh, and he sort of continued that in the match against Crystal Palace. I, I do think you know you're, you're talking about the looseness that that is what I think we saw, especially from Diego Costa. He looked a lot more free flowing in this match, and and just looked dare I say it, almost happier uh, playing in this match. You know, we'll see how that continues. Uh, I do believe Ed Nazard is uh, is injured and is going to miss a little bit of time. Uh, so we'll see how that affects Chelsea going forward. Uh, but if this match against Crystal Palace is any indication, uh, Gusinink might have uh, righted this ship a little bit. Although we don't know how much that is just because he's a different body, a different human being, than Jose Mourinho, or if he's, no, no, he's a, it's a, it's a different voice. Yes, it's not the same voice telling you what you've been doing wrong. Yes, uh, they don't buy players. All right, uh, so we're gonna give you a quick Premier League uh, fixture update. Excuse me, uh, no Premier League this weekend, but you will get Premier League next week. Oh yes, that's that's what we call midweek football, ladies and gentlemen. Next Tuesday, you have three two forty-five p.m. matches, including the Cherries hosting West Ham, Aston Villa hosting Crystal Palace, and Newcastle versus Manchester in a battle of the Uniteds, which almost certainly United, Manchester United will win. If not, Van Gaal might finally get the sack. On Wednesday, you get. Seven choices for matches, five at 2.45, including Chelsea, West Brom, Man City, Everton, Southampton, Watford, Stoke, Norwich, Swansea, Sunderland, and then at three, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, Leicester, two absolutely dynamic matches, Wes. Um, As a neutral, you just got to hope you can put, you know, one game on the TV and one game on your laptop because both of those... I think promise to be very, very fun games to watch. Oh God, I'm already choking up about that one. As a I'm neutral, as a neutral, I say, as uh, supporters, we'll be in the fetal position. But you know, yeah, I'm not neutral at all. <laughs> you, you guys seem to maybe be catching Lester at the right time. 
Yeah, not only are we catching them at the right time, we're going to catch them at the right time potentially twice. Uh, and we'll talk about why uh, in a little bit. Uh, but that is your fixture list, and then we'll get to the following weekend's matches in the next pod. One look at the table, though, uh, shows Arsenal atop with 42 points, Leicester now in second with 40, Man City in third with 39 Tottenham in 4th with 36th, Man United in 5th with 33, and West Ham in 6th with 32. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, Swansea is in 17th with 19 points, Newcastle are in the drop zone with 17, Sunderland have 15, and Aston Villa have just 8 points in 20 matches they have a vicious uphill climb they are 11 points clear of safety as they have just 18 matches to try and get out all right west time to head to the elite cup capital one cup company cup as the first leg of matches was played the previous two days uh on tuesday it was stoke nil liverpool won a match winner from jordan ibe that is quickly being buried by who was lost to liverpool in that match uh and on wednesday it was everton 2 man city 1 funes mori with a goal in the 45 45th minute uh jesus navas looked like he'd rescued manchester city in the 76th but there may not be a more informed striker than he right now in all of england he won it for everton they will take a 2-1 lead to the etihad on january 27th liverpool will host stoke on january 26th wes let's talk about uh stoke nil liverpool one though we we mentioned it you know a lot in the West Ham Liverpool match, but injuries now to Philippe Coutinho and Dejan Lovren in the match uh, are dampening what was already a very short bench. Uh, unfortunately for me, this is a match that uh, was not shown on my service provider. Mm. So I did not get to watch this match. I didn't get to go back and watch it, obviously, you know, here in, here in the States, we're at work when they're playing these matches. Ooh. <laughs> um, but from everything I hear, you know, listen to talk sport radio, um, you know, reading the blogs, uh, reading reports on the match, there are a lot of people that said this was Liverpool. They felt this was Liverpool's best overall performance of the season. Well, that's encouraging. Uh, yeah, that's encouraging. Um, <clears throat> defensively, it was... Well, the whole match was a dogfight. Defensively, Liverpool had to bow their neck, and they did everything in the world they had to do to get out of there with a clean sheet. Um, Ibe scoring the goal off... What do you think? I'm saying it was an intentional pass from Joe Allen. A lot of people are saying no way. Oh, it's definite shass. Definite shass. You you think shass. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that it was just... uh, it was like a, a ninth level pass. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was, well, you know, Joe Allen, if you look at him this season, he's grown out his hair. Mm-hmm. He's grown a beard. Yeah. And now that pass, obviously, he's the Welsh Pirlo. Yes. Yes. He's obviously going for the replacing Pirlo in Europe. Obviously. Um, because, I mean, think about it now. Joe Allen has actually played well this year for Liverpool when he's got match time. You know, 
Pirlo's gone to America and actually looks more like the old Joe Allen. Yes. So I think, you know, he left the continent and Joe Allen has taken the mantle. Uh, I think it would behoove Liverpool to play him more. Uh, um, shocker, they might have to play him more. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, but I mean, for Liverpool, it was a really, really, really good performance, especially when you take into account everything that happened. Uh, the injuries they had coming in, the injuries they sustained in this one, both Philippe Coutinho and Dejan Lovren having to leave the match with hamstring injuries, both in the first half. Uh, you know, all, all, all the credit in the world goes to guys like uh, Lucas and Emre Chan and, of course, Carlo Torre. Mm. Torre, of all people, Torre played 85 minutes. You know, Lover went out of that match early. Toure played so long in it. And this was a guy who had not played in a while and probably was 100% not expecting to play in this match. No, Toure played the entire match. Yeah. Um, Lover got injured right at the beginning of the match, right? No, he got injured in the uh, 34th and Milner came on for him. Toure played the entire match. He started. Uh, Milner didn't play. Uh, no, that's that's who came on for Lover. Oh, God, Milner did play? Yeah, he, he came on in the 34th. God, I've never even heard his name mentioned the entire match. Uh, can't be good. Well, when Joe Allen's on the pitch, you're not going to. Jeez. Like I said, I did not get to see this match, so I really don't know everything that happened in it. Uh, but Torre played... I mean, he Torre literally gave everything he had. By the end of the match, he was cramping up so bad... They literally had to push him into midfield. Oh, God. And Chan dropped back to play uh, center back. Wow. Uh, beside Lucas, because they could still move. Torre could barely move anymore. <laughs> he was he was cramping up so bad by the end of that match. Um, Firmino played a fantastic match. Um, until he came out of the match, Coutinho had played a fantastic match. Uh, so really, really unfortunate for Liverpool uh, to lose those two guys. You know, of course, um, Lovren has had somewhat of a little resurgence here of late under Klopp. Mm-hmm. He's just playing with a lot more confidence. Um, you know, he's not making the silly little mistakes he had been making. Excuse me. Um, and And it has actually been a case of, you know, you're not completely terrified when Lovren touches the ball. That's good. That's that's a good feeling to have. Yeah, no, I don't expect that to continue, but, you know. Uh, but now Lovren gone, I mean, literally, you're looking at a Liverpool team right now that go to Exeter to play in the FA Cup this weekend, mm-hmm. and we have one senior center back available, and that's Torre. Yeah. Um, I mean, right now, it looks like the plan is probably to start Torre and Lucas at the back in the, in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Chan has experience playing as a center back, uh, not only for the German national team, but, you know, also while he was at uh, Leverkusen and even some for Liverpool last year. Right. So, uh, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Stevie Nichol kind of put it best on ESPN FC when he said, uh, well, he said, if Toure and Lucas can't beat Exeter, you don't deserve to win. Yeah. You know, you don't deserve to still be in it. True. Um so luckily for Liverpool, that is the that you know that that's who you're playing. Luckily, thank God. Um, 
So, I mean, they're just they're in a tough spot right now, but Liverpool are gonna have to find a way to overcome. Uh, real quick, Ed, I don't know if you want to get to this yet. I do have the list of uh, of Liverpool's injuries at the moment. Sure, go ahead, list them all. Eleven first team players. <laughs> out with injury right now for Liverpool. I tell you, if you put this group on the field, you'd have a hell of a team. You know, you start at the back with Sacco out with a knee injury, Lovren with a hamstring, uh, Skirtle out with a hamstring. So there's uh, there's three center, there's three center defenders. Right. Uh, we've got both the wings covered with Joe Gomez and John Flanagan. Uh-huh. You move into midfield. Hey, we're fully covered in midfield with uh, Coutinho, Jordan Rossiter, and Jordan Henderson. There you go. And then you move up, you move up front. You got uh, Danny Ings, Divock Origi, uh, and Daniel Sturridge. So, I mean, we're playing a really strong 4-3-3 right here. Dude, I had totally forgotten about Origi. Yeah, Origi's hurt. I mean, <laughs> literally right now, we. I mean, you oh. know, we're sitting here saying, oh, my God, Benteke's horrible. Benteke's our only healthy striker. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> that, that's why we were playing Firmino up top the other day. <laughs> Which, that has worked. Obviously, that's what we used at uh, Manchester City in the 4-1 match, and it worked very well. Um, but the thing is, that's that's assuming Coutinho's healthy to be able to help facilitate. Right. I mean, it is extremely frustrating right now. I mean, literally, you can play four, a, a full 4-3-3 and put a very good squad on the field with Liverpool's injuries right now. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, it is um, quite terrifying at the moment. It is just a little bit. So we'll see how that goes um, when they take on uh, Stoke back at Anfield again, January 26th. Um, Stoke will need to get at least a 1-0 uh, quote-unquote victory to force stoppage time. Uh, if a more goal win would, uh, would see them through without stoppage time, a 1-1 draw... Uh, would be good for Liverpool. That would see them straight through. So, right, right. a lot of things to happen uh, in the second leg of a match. And again, City will take on Everton at the Etihad on the 27th. Uh, as for the FA Cup, because that is what is starting uh, this weekend, at least for well, that's most That's important of- because that's going to be part of our treble. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, excuse me, I need to. Uh, I actually need to uh, pull this up here. Are they gonna not tell me? Oh, there it is, the 2015-16 FA Cup. Because there's already been like 8,000 rounds, but now the Premier League teams are in it. So now we're in round. Yes, yes, as they would call it, the third round proper. This is the third round proper with 64 teams. Um, I'm not gonna list every match. Uh, they start on. Friday uh, with Exeter City at Liverpool, so, or sorry, Liverpool at Exeter City. Then there's a bunch of matches on Saturday. There's about five on Sunday. The best of those being, just quite honestly, it's Tottenham versus Leicester at White Hart Lane, uh, which will then, of course, be repeated in the middle of the week. It's one of those weird things that happens sometimes when all these matches and cup ties get bounced together. Um... If I was looking at a, what could be another interesting matchup, Norwich hosts Manchester City 
that could be interesting to see how uh, City's mindset is. Southampton, Crystal Palace could be good. And uh, that's that's about, I think, where it ends. Maybe even West Brom, Bristol City could be good. Who knows? Uh, but again, all things get kicked off on the 8th this Friday. Exeter versus Liverpool. That is a 1955 Greenwich Mean Time start, which I believe means, Wes, that is a 14.55 Eastern Standard Time start, which would be about 2.55? Yeah. All right, so about 3 o'clock. If you tune in at 3 o'clock, it'll be five minutes in at St. James Park, where Exeter will be taking on Liverpool, and we'll have a lot of discussion on the entire FA Cup bracket and how it looks after the draw for the round of 32 um, after this weekend. So, Wes, we're going to head into news and notes. Excuse me, news and notes now. But before we do, I do want to remind you guys that this podcast is being presented to you by NGSC Sports, NGSCSports.com, where we never stop and someone who is close to stopping as a footballer is steven gerard he's still making news hey he's training with liverpool right he could step into the 18 if needed right uh no he's training that's like uh that's literally like me being able to take batting practice with the red sox it doesn't mean they can put me in the game well it'd be awesome if they did i mean come on you wouldn't be worse than mo vaughn out there at first base Yes, I would. Trust me, <laughs> I would be much worse. Oh <laughs> uh, well, there. Slow pitch softball. I was told I could never play first base again. Aw, womp Well, Steven Gerrard is uh, currently turning his eye towards possibly coaching. It does look like this next season will be his last as a player. That's the way he's uh, discussing things right now. Also uh, took some shots at uh, English clubs and the Football Association about what he thinks is uh, an inability for retired players to to keep going and uh, potentially, you know, coach or be a part of an organization after they have retired. Um, Of course, in November, was part of what we were talking about, Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp mentioned that the club's doors are always open for him. Again, that does not mean that either of us or anyone with a sane head believes Gerard will once again put on Liverpool red. Um, But right now, as of today... Because, you know, by tomorrow, somebody's probably getting fired. Just how this podcast works. Uh, Only four managers in the Premiership are English. uh, 11 more in the Championship. And, of course, Gary Neville is the only English manager over in Spain once he took over the reins at Valencia. So, Wes, uh, what would you think about Gerard becoming a head coach? And as we, as you say that uh, Stevie G will never put on the red of Liverpool again, I beg to differ, Ed, as we speak, as we speak, I do not know the exact game date this week, but uh, Stevie G is leading the Liverpool legends into an exhibition match uh, down under in uh, Sydney. Well, excuse me. Or, or Melbourne or Brisbane or somewhere down Australia, I don't know. So uh, he will be playing in the Liverpool Red, maybe not for the senior first team, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but just to digress, 
Um, I mean, Gerard is a future manager. I mean, that's that's just one of those things you you completely cannot answer. I mean, you know, there has been a school of thought in the past that superstar players don't make great managers. Mm-hmm. Um, case in point, uh, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas um, are kind of the the poster boys for that in the NBA, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times for superstar players, the reason they were superstars is because they had gifts that no one else had. Yeah. And it's obviously you can't teach that. <laughs> um, but, you know, in football, it's, it is different. There are a lot of former players who are in managerial roles. I mean, most prominently right now in England, you know, Alan Pardue. Mm-hmm. was a very good player in his day uh, for Crystal Palace. Um, you know, Klopp was a, apparently from what we hear, Klopp was a, a solid player uh, back in his day. Um, of course, Sam Allardyce, man, oh, the greatest player who ever lived. Absolutely. If you, if you ask Sam, of course. If you ask Sam, of course. Yes. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it is a thing where, Players go back to coach. Now, when you get into the great players, I mean, you know, probably the greatest player I can ever think of who had any success as a manager was probably Maradona. But then, you know, Maradona was so screwed up in the head. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it was, uh, you know, Maradona was under a tough spot anyway just because he's Maradona. Um, yeah, I don't ever remember Pele. I don't know if Pele ever managed. If he did, he obviously didn't have very much success. Well, you know, as someone who's maybe not at the level of Maradona, but who did have a very successful playing career, is someone we've talked about a lot on this podcast, and that's Jurgen Klinsmann. True, true. Klinsmann had a very good one. Um, also, another German... Um, Oh my God! His name has a, has just completely escaped me, and he's like the greatest German player of all time. Oh no! Um, God, Bayern Munich defender, Germany won the World Cup with Germany. <laughs> I um, I believe you. Oh God! Oh God! I, I've got to look this up like immediately. I'm I'm, I'm I just typed into Google greatest German. Oh yeah. Das Kaiser. Yeah. 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 Yep. 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 Das yep. Kaiser. We're we're looking. We're this is this is oh, our our balls have just been caught out on stream. Oh, oh, this is bad. <laughs> oh. Um. because I can see him. Dude, my oh. my internet's just dying a slow, painful okay. death here trying Germany, to find this. World Cup. Hold on, that's all me because he was the manager. Um, it, it, I'm going to literally kick myself in about three seconds once this comes up. Um, it was, of course, Wikipedia, you son of a bitch. Perfect. What a podcast. This is amazing. Oh. Wow. I'm in the national football team. Yes, that's what I need. Germany national football team. Oh. Well, um, so this is an auspicious start. This is obviously a sign that Steven Gerrard would be a terrible head coach. No, this is, this means he'd be amazing. Okay. 
this obviously means he would be amazing. Oh. Um, you know, just like that German guy, we can't think of the name. I'm going to have this in just a second, I promise to you, and it will totally be worth it. All right, well, let's talk about another person. Franz Beckenbauer. That's it. And I, Okay, so now we can get right back into what we were saying. I mean, Beckenbauer is an all-time, I mean, he's an all-time great. He's considered maybe the best defender who's ever played the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, he was a fantastic manager. Um, uh, 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 Johan Cruyff. Mm-hmm. The, the wonderful Dutchman, you know, I mean, he, God, he brought Barcelona into, I mean, he basically made Barcelona into what they are now. Uh, you know, Cruyff was an amazing manager as well as an amazing player. So it can happen. Um, I mean, with Gerard, well, let's put it this way. Uh, obviously, the percentages are completely against it. Right. Because, I mean, the percentages are against anyone ever being a great manager. It doesn't matter where you come from. Um but, you know, one thing about Gerard, he had a good mind for the game. He he did a lot on his natural ability, but he had a good mind for the game. You just had to kind of keep him under control from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as they say in England, he's been working on his badges. <laughs> um, uh, so Get those certifications. I mean, and here's the other thing. Um as real quick, another one just kind of, I mean, Zidane was just named the new head man at, at Madrid. Oh, spoiler alert. We were going to get sorry. to that. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, you know, there's another all-time great player. But, uh, you know, it, for for Gerard, it's going to come down to, you know, can you be flexible as a manager mm-hmm. and realize that the guys you're coaching most likely are not as good as you are? And, and also, you know, one thing with these high-profile guys, how bad do you how bad do you want it? Right. You know, when when you're Steven Gerrard and you're worth millions upon millions, um are you gonna be truly motivated in five years when your wife want, when your smoke show wife wants to go to Portugal for the weekend and you have training with the under eighteens and it's raining outside and Alex is saying, oh, Alex, oh, Stevie, let's go to Portugal. I'll put on my little bathing suit. We'll go to Portugal. She doesn't tell you that. That's more Jamie Carragher. Talking yeah, that's very Jamie Carragher. But, but, you know, I mean, that's the thing, you know, when, when you are the head man, you're giving up a lot of your time and your life to be the man in charge. And, I mean, personally, I mean, let's say my Powerball number hits tonight. I'm not going to be caring quite as much about a lot of things in a few days. <laughs> oh, I understand. <laughs> so now this show will obviously be one of them that I do care about. Of course. But, you know, but um, that, that's another thing is just uh, motivation, long-term motivation. We'll have to see where Stevie's is. Absolutely. And you mentioned it, so let's go ahead and jump right to it. Uh, Zinedine Zidane is now the manager of Real Madrid. And I hear you out there asking, all the none of you who didn't know about this story yet. But Edward, isn't Rafa Benitez the head coach at Real Madrid? Well, not anymore. He has officially been sacked by the head-ups at Real Madrid. He was fired on Monday. And Zinedine Zidane, who was uh, one of the Real Madrid uh, youth team coaches, is going to take over as the head coach of the big club. Um, So Wes, you did mention it a little bit. Uh, Rafa gets about seven months uh, in his tenure as head of Los Blancos, uh, but they have been knocked out through through a forfeiture of the Copa del Rey. 
they did all right in the Champions League qualification process. They're currently third in La Liga. Did Benitez deserve to go? And do you think Zidane will uh, right the ship a little bit? Benitez has now twice gotten jobs that immediately when he got him that got them, the fan base felt that they were too good for for Rafa Benitez to be their manager. Inter Milan and now Real Madrid. Um, and both times uh, he did not last out of season at those places. Um, when he took over for Josie at Inter, people were furious. Oh, you know, he, he, he will not have the success Josie had. Well, it turns out nobody's had the success Josie had at Inter since, but still. Um, and now here at Madrid, both times he came in, it was a controversial hire, and both times it, it, it came back to sting him. Here's the thing about Benitez. Benitez is such a proud man that – you know, if if you tell Rafa Benitez that he's not good enough for something, uh huh, he wants to tell you ten million reasons why he's better than anyone else. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And I didn't say go out and show you why he's better than he was. I said tell you and right. be angry when he tells you. Um. So I, I think I think this was kind of doomed from the start. Uh, I. I as much as I like Rafa, and of course, I mean, one night in Istanbul, what can you say for the guy? I mean, he literally put he put Liverpool back among European elite. But at the end of the day, this was not a good fit for either club or uh, manager. And at the end of the day, it didn't work out. Zidane, I'm really interested in this because Zidane has been a really hot name around Madrid for a while now mm-hmm. to, to maybe be the manager one day. I don't think this is how he wanted to get the job by any means, but you know, sometimes that's just how it happens. I almost see Zidane kind of like I look at Ryan Giggs right now as a caretaker. Uh, Zidane and Giggs. It's, it's similar. There are similarities, but then again, there's, here's a huge difference. One, when Giggs became the caretaker manager at Manchester United, it was on the back end of an absolutely disastrous season uh, under David Moyes. And also, I believe it was only for five matches. Yeah, just about. Zidane is getting this job at the beginning of January, which means he's got January, February, March, April, May. He's got five months in which to coach this team, to manage this team. Not only that, but he's in the race for La Liga and he's in the knockout stage of the Champions League. Mm-hmm. So where Giggs, really no matter what he did, we all had a feeling that Giggs was not going to keep that that position. This, for Zidane, this is, this is his audition. Because right. he's, right. Getting the, he's getting the team with the chance, <clears throat> I mean, with the chance to win a trophy. I mean, if the guy goes and wins the Champions League, how can you not make him your permanent manager? If he wins La Liga, how can you not make him your personal, your, your uh, personal, uh, how can you not make him your permanent manager? Right. Right. So he has a great opportunity. He's walking into an absolutely stacked team. Nothing has changed there. Um, 
there are rumors of plenty around Madrid, as there always are, that there's going to be a huge summer clear out coming. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, right now, I think he's kind of got a he's kind of got a free check here um, to go in and you know just see what he can do. Uh, but I mean, he does have a great opportunity to win a trophy this season. Oh, absolutely. Real, Real uh, under his leadership, could definitely win the Champions League. Um, and they're still not completely out of it by any stretch no. of La Liga to win that title. So we'll have to see how he does. And uh, just real quick, uh, were you at all surprised that uh, Mourinho didn't end up taking the uh, the, Madrid, the Madrid job? Because we had heard some talk that the, uh, the ownership had had discussions with him to take that job over. <clears throat> Um, you know, we hear, we hear that they had discussions, but that doesn't mean that he was actually offered the job. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I, I think obviously when something like that is going to happen, you know, you're going to get in touch with the agents of all the big time coaches, especially who are available just to say, look, we're getting in touch with you. What do you think? Is this something you even want to attempt to pursue? And then we'll talk or what Mourinho may have just said, you know what? Um, this is not the right place for me to go back to right now. Not saying, not, you know, not saying we can't do business in the future, but right now this is not the right place. I'm, I'm committed to being in England and I want to explore other options. Uh, I mean, he's obviously you can look at the Premier League right now and there is an extremely good chance that three of the top six jobs in the Premier League will be open in the off season. Um, United, City, and Chelsea, very good chance all three are going to be looking for new head coaches. Um, <clears throat> you never know. Hell, if Arsenal go off and win the win the uh, win the Premier League, Wenger may wake up one morning and say, "Oh, I just want to go and drink wine and wear socks and sandals everywhere I go. I don't longer want to coach as a footballer." <clears throat> In which case, now you've got Arsenal open too. Um, I think for Mourinho, he sees this as a position of strength that um, between he and Guardiola, they are going to be the top two managers on the market, mm-hmm. uh, especially with Ancelotti already saying, you know, he's going to Bayern Munich. Um, it, it's going to come down between him and Pep. And I'm going to tell you, man, I, I pray that no one, I, I am just praying just for drama's sake that um, neither of these guys are named anyone's coach before the season ends. Oh, yeah. Because, I j- you know, those two have an extremely heated rivalry, just a heated personal rivalry, mm-hmm. you know, with each one thinking they're better than the other one. Oh, my God, can you see them fighting for the Manchester City job or the Manchester United job? That would be amazing. I mean, that would be almost as good as the Premier League, just watching them go back and forth over who deserves the job more. Why not just give each one half of Manchester and see who wins the title? And that might be what happens. (laughs) And and then Tottenham and Liverpool will begin their reigns of glory and win the title every year. Perfect. This is perfect. Hey, if I had to trade off with anybody, friend, it would be you. Uh, And same to you. Same to you uh well i'm gonna i'm gonna do my my uh my segue that i was going to do earlier speaking of uh, another 
footballer in Germany. Uh, there has been talk of Liverpool bringing in Borussia Dortmund's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, uh, who is also being heavily looked at by Arsenal. Uh, right now, it's looking like Arsenal is going to offer up about £42 million pounds for the Gabonese forward. Um, of course, Wes Aubameyang, uh, no stranger to Liverpool head coach Jurgen Klopp, as he was with him when he was the head coach at Dortmund. Uh, where do you see this kind of shaking out? Does, uh, does Dortmund do business with their old boss, or does Arsenal come in and finally spend some money and get their guy? First and foremost, I don't think I don't think Dortmund's going to move Aubameyang in the January window. Okay. <clears throat> um, I mean they they just they've got stuff left to play for at Dortmund. Um, you know, you're sitting second in the league. We know what's going to happen there, but you know they're definitely still in Europa, and I mean he is a major major league player for them. Um, Arsenal, I believe, is willing to stump up the cash. I think um, I've, I've just gotten to think that over the last couple of years, Wenger has been sat down by some very influential people. Influential, God, I can't speak tonight. Some very influential people at Arsenal, and said, "Listen, we understand how you like to do things, but when there's a chance at somebody who can really improve us immediately, you you need to get involved." <clears throat> and you saw it happen with Ozil. Um, and I think if a Yang is out there, Arsenal would be absolutely insane not to make a play for him because they have the money. That's not a problem. They have the money. Mm-hmm. Um, Liverpool, do not get me wrong. Oh my God, it would be incredible to get a Yang in that team. He would, he would, oh, he would walk in immediately and, just change the culture. It would be awesome. <clears throat> I think a, I think a lot of what you're getting right now, though, um, I think you. I just think you're getting a lot of media speculation. Right. Literally anyone from Dortmund is being connected to Liverpool because of Klopp. That's true. Um, I, I mean, not only Aubameyang, Royce, uh, Gundogan, Zlatan. Uh, uh, Zlatan. <laughs> Well, because he, he likes Klopp. He wants to play for him. Well, okay, so. okay. I mean, I'm just talking more guys who actually are in Dortmund. Right I know, now. but I want to mention Zlatan because of the great shirt you got me. So there you go. You just you just wanted to say Zlatan. I did. Got Zlatan. Yeah. You, you need to post a picture of that shirt, by the way. That's true. I do. I will. Um, but also, you know, Matt's Hummels. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a hot rumor going around right now that uh, Nevin Sabotic, Klopp wants him by Friday. Okay. <laughs> For for the mainly to get him on the bench for this FA Cup tie coming up <laughs> at Exeter, um, because we're so thin at center back, obviously. Um, and Sabotic, it looks like if he comes here in January, it would be on a loan. Um, so basically, anyone from Dortmund right now is going. You're going to hear Liverpool linked with them just because of the Klopp effect. I'm going to truthfully tell you though, I would be surprised in the next in the next 12 months, if we ended up with any of those players from Dortmund that Klopp had, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, everybody, it's a very romantic notion. Oh, I'm going to follow the manager who gave me my break and who made me a great player. It's a romantic notion. A lot of times that 
doesn't work out. You know what they say, you know, lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place. Right. A lot of times that is a recipe for frustration. So I, I don't see it happening. Now, look, if Gundigan ends up on our front door in the summer, beautiful, beautiful. I'm just not putting my money on it. Um, so I think a Boma Yang, here's another thing with the Boma Yang. If he moves, he's going to want to go somewhere with Champions League football. True. Arsenal is going to be able to uh, provide that. Liverpool, God, of everything happening this year, I believe they're only six points out of a Champions League spot. I think so. Uh, and they're and they're still in Euro. So, but um, you know, Liverpool has a better chance of not being able to offer that in the summer. That is that is true. Um, I was going to mention. Uh, to tie it back into our Deli Ali uh, talk from earlier, uh, Klopp has gotten his first man of the transfer period, and that is Marco Grujic uh, out of Red Star Belgrade. Uh, the 19-year-old Serbian has joined them on a four-year contract, but he will immediately return to his uh, the Red Star for the rest of this season. So just as Deli Ali did last year when Spurs got him from the Dons in the January transfer market and then just let him stay there for the rest of the season, uh, Grujic will do the same thing for Liverpool. Uh, there is another big transfer story that was very, very hot in the summer and has uh, rearing its head again, and that is one John Stones of Everton. There is now a a new challenger approaches. Manchester United fights their way into the ring, Wes. Uh, they will now battle Chelsea to see if they can get John Stones. Uh, money! Lo- we, we have money to spend, <laughs> and we will pay top dollar. <laughs> oh, thank you, Ed Woodward. Um, it looks like it might take 50 million plus uh, pounds to get Stones from Everton. But, Wes, uh, Everton didn't look likely to sell stones in the summer. And I don't know that uh, while they're still competing to return to the top half of the table in the premier league, I don't know that they're going to get, want to get rid of uh, one of England's best young defenders in the middle of the season. Well, another thing with that, you know, we mentioned it earlier. We haven't really mentioned it enough. We are now in a European year. Uh, Euro 2016 coming up in in six months, literally right now, six months. If you're John Stones and you're a guy who is in contention for a starting berth in the England squad, why would you, in your right mind, want to leave a situation where you are a guaranteed, no doubt about it, starter, Mm -hmm. and you are an integral part of your team, and the team, the defense is almost built around you at the back, why would you want to leave six months away from Euro 2016 to go somewhere new where you're going to have to learn new stuff, new people, new philosophies, and it might be a month before you see a start? That makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, and that's that's really that's another reason I don't think we're going to get. You know, the the rumor mills are just on fire right now. Oh, of course they are. I don't believe I don't believe you're going to get a lot of big internationals who are going to move in this window because they don't want to jeopardize their place in Euro 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, once again, why leave your comfort zone, you know, when you could just wait till the summer and make that move. Um, now I think we'll definitely see movement and you might get some, some guys who are more the borderline internationals 
that'll move. But I just I don't think you're going to get a lot of home run signings in this January window. I mean, there's another reason that Liverpool's not getting Royce or Gundogan or anybody like that. They're not moving right now. Yeah. That's just that's not happening. These guys are settled. You know, they understand their role. They understand what they're doing. I don't think you're going to get a lot of movement because of that, especially among the top flight talent, or yeah. at least the guys from the European nations. Oh, I, I would certainly agree with that. I don't I don't think you're going to do it. And I don't think uh, Chelsea and United could pay enough money right now to to really get stones away from Everton. And and like I, I, I kind of agree with you, there's not going to be that much top, top, not not top tier because you know guys like Ronaldo they know they're gonna they know their place in the eleven for their teams uh-huh. and then the bottom guys you know they're they're looking to push their way up Andrus Townsend uh, so we might see you know a little bit of movement more in that area exactly and that's also more aimed toward you know all these rumors we're hearing coming out of Real Madrid mm-hmm. where all of a sudden oh God now Gareth Bale wants out immediately no. Gareth Bale is not going anywhere in January because Gareth Bale is playing in Euro. Mm-hmm. You know, and and not not that it would not that it would endanger his spot one no, bit. No, not at all. But I mean, he's comfortable right now. You know, they're in the Champions League. You want to keep him in form. You know. Exactly. You want to keep him in form, you want to keep him comfortable. You know what? I mean, this uh, the summer is going to be absolutely insane when it comes to everything, especially if Madrid are serious about moving out a lot of players. I mean, the summer is going to be insane if that's the deal. Um, so I, f- I think we're just going to have to wait till uh, till July for a lot of this stuff to start going down. Um, well, we'll wrap up news and notes here with uh, a pair of Lester stories. Uh, unfortunately, we mentioned a little bit earlier the Vardy party will be uh, put on hold for a couple weeks as Jamie Vardy will have to undergo groin surgery. Uh, he will miss at least uh, their FA Cup match this weekend against Spurs and may possibly um, also miss their uh, league match against Tottenham in a week's time. Uh, there are some people saying that the operation would allow him to come back for the league match against Tottenham, but we will have to wait and see about that. In the meantime, the Foxes have signed on um, one of the up-and-coming uh, England internationals, Wes. Uh, so I'm curious if you have any thoughts on him. Damari Gray uh, is being uh, bought from Birmingham City. Uh, he's 19. He's signing a four-and-a-half-year contract for with Leicester. Uh, he's been capped uh, as an England under-18, under-19, and under-20 Um has played for all three teams and is now looking to uh, actually join the first team squad this week. Um, Wes, uh, do you do you have any any new any notes on Gray? Uh, we we know you're a big Red Lions man. Uh, do do you have your pulse on their under twenties? Um, Damari Gray, it's a name that I am somewhat familiar with. Okay. Um, he has been connect. He was connected. It's, I was surprised to see him end up at Leicester. Mm-hmm. You know, he had been connected with a lot of the bigger teams in the premier league. Obviously, you know, if I'm saying it, you know, he's connected, he's been connected with Liverpool, but of course we know everyone has, Yes. um, was connected with Arsenal had been connected with United before. Um, but I think what Damari Gray probably, and I'm just guessing here what I think probably happened He's looked at Leicester and said, man, this is a viable option at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, A, they've got money. 
Uh, B, it looks like the infrastructure is really good there. Um, and I think also the fact that they're not chomping at the bit to sell Vardy and Mares and others, I think that I think that's kind of a statement of intent to a lot of players in the country as well. That you know, while right now, yeah, it's kind of a fairy tale. Maybe this isn't a club that is just destined to go right back down to you know the championship sometime soon. Uh, I think it's a very astute signing for them. You know, Demari Gray, well, nothing guaranteed, right, Jack Wilshire? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Demari Gray is a player that uh, could figure prominently into the future of the England setup. And uh, we'll see how much of an impact he has on Leicester's, dare we still say, with 18 matches left to play in this season, title chances. So that's going to do it for our soccer talk for the week. Uh, usually we only do... Are, are we Are we not going to... Are we going to hold the game for another week? Oh, I have forgotten about that game. Um, That's cool. We can hold it. It's not a problem. I'm trying to think of uh, what are we what are we going to have next week. Um, you know what? What the hell? Let's do it. Let's do it right now. If you got it, I'll I'll, I'll do it. Let's do it. Dude, let me let me pull up my let me pull up my uh, my 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 scribblings, my writings. Okay. My writings, Ed. Do you All do right, you want to explain wanna... while you do that to uh, <clears throat> for the folks at home? Do you want to explain what this game is we've been talking about for the past two minutes? Sure. Can you can you remember why we came up with the game? <laughs> Um, oh yeah, because I, I I was looking at the uh, the live stream of the, your guys Capital One Cup match, and I told I, I I texted you two guys' names who I didn't believe were actually real people. I was like, no, That's these right, are just uh, mad Con- name I generators. I believe Connor Randall and Brad Smith. Yes, them. <laughs> these aren't so, real people. So of course, you know, we got going back and forth. I'm like, yes, I can guarantee they're real people. I said, but uh, you know, you would be surprised at who's real and who FIFA just randomly creates. Yes. So we got to talk, of course, as you folks may know by listening, I am up to year 2022 of mm. a totally sweet FIFA 14 uh, career mode. And um, let's just put it this way. The Liverpool Academy has been humming out some really top flight young players into Europe over the years under the tutelage of Wes Bradshaw, their, uh, their phenomenal Academy director. Amazing. <clears throat> So I told Ed, I said, Ed, I'm going to tell you too, uh, FIFA does a really good job of giving us some really believable names. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not quite to the level of Danny Drinkwater. Oh. But they're giving us perfect. some really good names. So I said, uh, I said, Ed, I think you would find it hard if I gave you uh, players from uh, Tottenham and Liverpool's Academy uh-huh. and then gave you the players that I've signed. So you said, we'll bring it on, mister. So I said, okay, I will. All right. This This will be a treat. Are you ready? I am as ready as I'm ever going to be. I said, are you ready? Oh, yes. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, all right, Ed. Let's start off. Um, Harry Voss. Uh, that is a, uh, I believe that's a Tottenham Academy player. That's correct, Ed. Good for you. Connor Little. <sighs> Made up. My starting right back. All right, Ed. Tom Bruitt. Oh, Tom Bruitt. Oh, that's a really good name. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say he's also a FIFA product. Ah, uh, Tom Bruitt is in the Liverpool Academy. Oh, damn. Okay. Nathan Rose. Uh, FIFA guy. Correct. Anthony Giorgio. 
Liverpool? Future Spur, Ed. Future Spur. Anthony Giorgio? Anthony Giorgio. All right. All right. Christoph Polar. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say FIFA. Oh, he's a Liverpoolian, me mate. Damn it. All right. Diego Ortiz. I'm going to say FIFA. That's right. He's me backup center back. <laughs> uh, Joe Ianson. Oh, my God. Um, I'm going to say Liverpool. Well, he is in Liverpool, Ed, but that's in the imaginary West Bradshaw oh, world it. where he is also the future of the England strike uh, strike team. Of course, with a name he like that. He is fantastic. He's fantastic. Matthew Virtue Thick. Oh, God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say FIFA again. I, I just can't imagine that's a real person. That's all Liverpool all day, apparently. Holy <laughs> shit. Okay. <laughs> It's like, totally sweet. That's a horrible name, but okay. Wow. All right, let's do two more. All right. Uh, Anton Wales. Uh, FIFA. Tottenham. Who are these? These are not starters then on our under-20 team, because I, I know our <laughs> under-20s fairly well when they start. Okay. All right, who's the last guy? Cameron Hoskins. Oh, that actually sounds familiar. Um, I want to say Liverpool. He is actually the heir apparent to Stevie G in the FIFA world. Ah, damn it. That's a, that's a really, that's a really real sounding name there. There's some good names here. I have a Connor Townsend. Ooh. I have a Ben Meekings. I have an Ignacio Guardado. (laughs) I love a good Ignacio. Those are just the guys I've kept around in. That doesn't include the group that I've sold on. That's true. Oh, that was a fun game. I got a couple. By the way, P- PSG offered me fifty million for Ben Meekings. Because <laughs> of course, he's so French. Good, good times. Oh well, we were gonna do a dumb NFL story of the week. Um, I'm just gonna mention it. Uh, Dexter Please Manley, do because that is a fantastic story. Okay, so Dexter Manley, a, a, he's a, an idiot. He's an idiot. He's a former Washington Redskins defensive end. There you go. Uh, He hit the head multiple times. In in 2013, he called uh, Troy Aikman, quote, queer, live on the radio. (laughs) Um, And and, uh, he was on a local CBS TV uh, football show this past Saturday. And And uh, we we all know that people make mistakes on the air sometimes with what they say. Rape. Yeah. Oh, God. This, this This is a habitual uh misspoker person or as as charlie murphy would say he's a habitual line stepper. <laughs> yes that's exactly right he's a habitual line stepper um well apparently for some reason they started talking about robert griffin the third and so uh mr manley said quote black quarterbacks like running because they're used to running from the law now keep in mind mr manley is black Which I think makes it worse. Would we have been shocked? I mean, I mean, just think of the outrage if uh, Donald Trump had said this. Oh God, he'd be burned to the stake. (laughs) No, I mean, oh, I just I think if Troy Aikman himself had said this, how horrible this would have been. Oh God, it'd been the worst, the absolute worst. I, I do think part of the fact the fact that Dexter Manley was wearing a bright red sports jacket when he said this, yeah, and sweating profusely. Yeah. And and the fact that I think people have quickly understood this guy took a few too many shots to the head 
I think he's getting a little bit of a pass. I don't have a huge problem with it. That was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. I mean, trust me, I've been in places where that would have been a really good joke. <laughs> I'll tell you why they so fast. Oh God, where am I? I just oh, it's a place. Oh, it's a place called the Barn in Nashville. No thanks. Any um, to be fair, well, I don't know if he deserves to be fair after his history. Uh, he did say right after I say some things I don't think about sometimes, which would again go to that head trauma. But I just I I, I feel like in this day and age, when we are now in the 2016 year, I, I feel like you just. At some point, you have to kind of process, and and, and there's got to be there's got to be some sort of filter, especially when you are on live CBS television that says, "Hmm, maybe I shouldn't make this culturally insensitive joke right now. Maybe I shouldn't do that." Those are his own people, and the only thing, the only explanation that would have made that better, is if he had gone the Louis Van Hall route. And said, I do not, uh, your language, uh, I do not totally understand at time. Quentin's uh, Park Reasons. My, my twisted are my words. That's oh, so bad. Uh, see, he could have gone, he could have gone European manager and just said, I didn't understand your language. Unfortunately, that, that probably would not have worked. So Dexter Manley, please let us never hear from you again. And to the people who keep hiring... Dexter Manley, I will give you my resume. I will talk about the NFL. It's okay. I will do it. I won't love it, but I'll do it. And I won't make racist jokes like that. And he'll even bring Wes Bradshaw, who promises to keep the racist jokes to a minimum at least. The rape jokes? Oh, the rape jokes, now they're... they're well, to be fair, you don't make rape jokes. You just say the word rape in an inappropriate Exactly, time. I just enjoy saying the word. Oh, God, it's so bad. I mean, look, I was a Nirvana fan growing up. Oh, well, Kurt Cobain did it. Um, let's transition now to our other big story of the week. Uh, this is this is a, a little more serious, and I, I'm, I'm a little interested to hear your, your thoughts because I, I thought this was kind of a clear-cut case, uh, but, but seeing, well, you know, I, I read internet comments. That was my first mistake. Uh, apparently, it's, it's a little more divisive than I thought. Colleen Dominguez, formerly of NBC Sports and formerly of ESPN, uh, joined Fox Sports in 2014 as a reporter, and since that time has basically been relegated to the sidelines, and now she is suing Fox because she believes she's been being discriminated against because of her age and her looks. And Colleen Dominguez, you know, I, you know we don't want to judge journalists on their looks but Colleen Dominguez still looks very nice she looks like a very attractive mid 40 year old woman or well mid 50 whatever she is um that really doesn't matter the point is uh in her um uh, statement uh Dominguez says quote um it was humiliating for me to think about them being the executives at Fox Sports, sitting in meetings, evaluating video of my face and body as well as when there was office talk about management possibly asking me to get a facelift. Now, I, I just have to imagine, you you just hired her. This, this wasn't like over a 10, 15, 20-year stretch. And to be fair, or to, not to be fair, but to be clear... This kind of talk is stupid and dumb and sexist and probably needs to start going away. And hopefully when these these executives die, that's when we'll start seeing this kind of get phased out of the workplace. 
But the, the striking thing is, again, this is over one year. She was there one year and this happened. They had to know. They, they had to have looked at her demo tape before they hired her to, to, to be even bare bones. So I just think this is, this is stupid. And we've seen this from Fox. We saw them basically relegate Pam Oliver to the B team for their football coverage to make room for Aaron Andrews. So I just, I don't understand how they didn't learn from that. Maybe there is nothing to this, but I have to imagine if someone is willing, and as she mentions in, in some of her statements, she's willing to risk her career because if she sues them, which she's going to, no company is probably going to touch her after this point. So if she feels that strongly about it, I have to believe that it's at least mostly true. This is this is absurd, and, and Fox Sports is really starting to take a nosedive, in my estimation. A, a, a station... FS1 that built itself as the anti-ESPN is becoming more ESPN by the minute. This might be their Steve Phillips slash you're coming with me leather moment. As of course I Googled Colleen Dominguez just to refresh my memory. Let me put it this way. If no other TV station will touch her, she can call me because I will definitely touch her. Aw, inappropes. But I thought it was really sweet in a probe, so eh. you know I'm I'm complimenting her. I like her. Oh, I, I uh, think she still looks great, but I, I just I, I think this is dumb. She's really. amazing for 46. I think um, she's 55 actually. Uh, Google says 46. So no, okay, I trust Google. I believe Google over you. That's fine. Um, oh man, it's such a tricky subject because I mean I, I understand. And I almost hate to say, because I don't want to sound sexist, I'm not trying to be sexist, but this is like such a woman deal. Um, In the uh, sense that this would only happen to a woman and not a man? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would uh, agree with that. But I mean, here's my deal. You, you know, and I just, I have one home run example of this. Yes, you know, everybody is looking for the, you know, sexy sideline reporter. ESPN has Holly Rowe. Yeah, they have Shelly cool. Smith. Yeah, but Holly Rowe just especially. I've I've had my words for Holly Rowe over the years on uh on on Twitter, things such as "Oh God, she's on my screen, make it stop." It's Holly Rowe. Um, she looks like a yeti, but anyway, uh, I'm a horrible, horrible person. Um, if Colleen Dominguez has some proof to this. If she has something in writing, if she has something taped, you know, if she if she has concrete evidence that, you know, they're doing this just because, you know, she's not she's not as hot as they think she should be, or or because she's old, then she's got a case. But if she just feels well, I think this is the reason why I've been demoted like this, then she has no real case. Um, and to me, it's just, I mean, there. Are, I mean, there's just, there's so many examples of women over 40 who are still active in, on, you know, reporting and sideline reporting. I mean, you know, I mean, just a few examples. I mean, um, uh, uh, Hannah Storm mm-hmm. on ESPN obviously is no 23-year-old straight out of the sorority house. Um, oh, who's the redhead chick ESPN has? Um Oh, she just came back. Um, I know yeah. you saw she was at CNN 
Uh, <laughs> and she came back. I know exactly who you're talking is about. It, is it Heather? 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 Not Cox? Heather Cox. It's not Heather Cox. Oh, uh, it's not Heather Cox. I, I can't remember. Um, but I mean, there are plenty of examples of women who are not 25, you know, blonde and size twos who are on the sideline. So, like I said, unless she has some home run evidence, I don't know how far this is going to go. That and that's, that's... Like, Colleen. Colleen, if you get blackballed, uh, the uh, Sunlink Friday night football game of the week is always looking for a sideline reporter. Oh, you can just have my job. That's that's. I'm sure yeah, you you yeah, may have she, played more downs she, of football she can just than I am. Sit with me. Yeah, you. She may have played more downs of football than I have. Um, I I will say this, and 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 to speak to kind of what you're saying, I I'm worried that this is going to become a a somewhat he said she said um, debate in court, and yeah. and and I worry that because I I do believe her. I I genuinely I have no reason to believe she would put her professional reputation on uh-huh. the line if she if she if if what she's saying happened didn't mm-hmm. happen whether she has evidence of that i don't know and that's that's what i think may get her i i do kind of agree with you and i i think that's going to be a shame if then the suit gets thrown out because there's no factual evidence now now you could mm-hmm. get you know any of these executives she mentions to excuse me to swear under oath and then, you know, it's it's do they want to perjure themselves if these things did happen? So I, I, I'm just a little worried. I know we were just joking about this the other day or the other minute. I, I don't I don't want to equate it to rape and, and, and women, you know, you know, victims of that, you know, trying to get just. I mean, we saw this with the Jameis Winston case, you know, with somebody afraid to come forward. And then, and then it gets into a huge "he said, she said, who who do you believe" thing when there's not a whole lot of actual evidence. Or in the Jameis Winston case, sometimes the police just do a shitty job of gathering the evidence, <laughs> the, or, do, or do a really good job of quote losing the evidence. Exactly. Um, I, I'm just I'm worried that that's that's what's kind of kind of happened, and I and then I feel like that's kind of the next step. I feel like we're starting to take Rachel Nichols. By the way, is the redhead. I, I feel like we're starting oh, that just came, that just popped in my head. I th- I feel like we're starting to take women as journalists and analysts. I mean, you look at someone like a Doris Burke, who is who is doing uh, color commentary for NBA basketball games, and does she is not hot. I guess I, mean, I think she's very nice to look at. I don't know if I would oh, call her. Way, I, I was thinking of Heather Cox, who was a smoke show redhead. Um. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I feel like we're starting to take females in sports, even in men's sports, more seriously. There's still a long ways to go. If you've heard, uh, you know, some of what you know, the, I think the Colts did that really stupid thing where they blocked out uh, female reporters, you know, a couple months ago. But I, I think we're starting to make strides, and I don't want to see something like this put to give us those two steps back. So that's my thought. I, I, I hope, I really, really hope Colleen Dominguez is right. I hope that she has evidence, and I hope if that evidence is valid, I hope she kicks their ass in court. So, yeah, sure. Um, like I said, girl, if if all else goes to shit, waiting arms here in old Eastern North Kagalagi. That is three, three attempts for Wes Bradshaw. Three, three. 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 
that is the magic number. Um, Wes, uh, let's let's bump that number up one and hit the watch four segment. What are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be? Uh, well, of course, Ed, this finally marks the week that everything come back on TV. Woo! The Men in Blazers are back. Yeah. Yeehaw! I totally watched them before we did the show tonight. I needed some expert insight. <laughs> totally. And yeah. that was the only thing I could find. Um, of course, the return of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Okay, let me ask you this question. Is it really set at a ski resort? Uh, I haven't been able to watch it yet. But, okay. Uh, and I don't, I don't think it's going to be the entire season at a ski resort. It's probably just will be an episode at a ski resort. All right. Um, American Horror Story back. I think we're down to either two or three episodes remaining of that. Mm. Uh, I'm looking at it right now in my queue. So that's ready to go. Um, Brooklyn nine, nine has now moved to Tuesday nights. Oh, yeah. So, uh, that's a that's a fun one to keep an eye on. Uh, Fox actually going going hard on the Tuesday night comedy block. Um, they have the John Stamos and the Rob Lowe comedies on there, and mm-hmm. of course Brooklyn Nine Nine and uh, the one with uh, Zoe Deschanel. Uh, New Girl. Yeah, that one's on there too. Um, new show that has started this week uh, on ABC. Uh, I, I recorded, have not had a chance to watch it. It's called Cooper Barrett's Guide to Surviving Life. I heard that was okay. Um, of course, you know, the previews are going to show you, obviously, hilarious parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured it was worth at least the pilot and maybe episode number two to give it a shot. Uh, so I will be I will be looking into that. All I know is a man tries to pay a bar tab with a Dave and Buster's card. That sounds like fun. <clears throat> so that, that's that's got to be fun. Uh, what else? Um, I taped something called Gallivant. Oh, did you? Yeah. You seem happy about that. So. Ah, I do. Um, okay. Did Did you watch season one? Uh I, oh, it's a season thing. Yeah, this is the second season. Oh no, I didn't. I need to go back and watch season one. Um. Yes. Or is this or yeah. is this going to be like Fargo or Horror Story where I can just pick up? No, you you should probably watch season 1. Um that would it would okay. it'll make it'll make the premiere uh, uh make a lot more sense if you've seen season 1. I mean, you could you could jump into it uh and be fine, I guess. Um cuz I mean, they do a pretty good they actually do a pretty good job of spending the first 5 minutes just recapping what happened in season 1. Okay. Um but everything will make a lot more sense right out of the gate if you've seen season one. And I think season one is only eight episodes. Um, and it's half hours. So that's that's four hours to burn through. Okay. And if it's available on uh, Netflix, all the better. Uh, I don't. I think it's only on Hulu. Mother of God. <laughs> Sorry. It might be on well, Netflix. Maybe. I don't think so, though. Oh, anyway, what do you got, my friend? Um, I uh, I, I was actually going to talk about Galavan. I, I really oh. enjoyed it. They they aired the first two episodes of the season on Sunday night. Um, not that we were able to watch it live, but uh, it's a very very good show. Timothy Amundsen. Oh, I just I love that man so much. He was a he was a delight in the show Psych as uh, Carlton Lasseter, and he is just amazing here. Even even affecting a a a more or less terrible british accent uh he's it's very 
very good. If you if you enjoyed the Monty Python on the Holy Grails, um, there's there there's a lot to like in this one. I don't I don't think it's as smart if that's a word as Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but I think it's very good and it's and it's it's a little different too. Uh, but it's of course, of course Monty Python the the Holy Grail was just that it was the Holy Grail of comedy. Yes. Um, I mean anyone who tries to chop down a tree with a herring. It's <laughs> perfect. Uh, I I definitely think this it's it's a it's a bit more meta. I well no because God Holy Grail was pretty damn meta too wasn't it? Um, so yeah, there's that there, there's that same sort of meta humor. It's it's set in a similar setting um, in in that sort of medieval English period. So you'll you'll uh, you'll get a lot of the good stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Uh, I don't know that I'd say it's for everybody, but uh, it's it's very 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 good. I also still have to watch. Run away! <laughs> where did you find an african swallow um i still do have the christmas special for sherlock um waiting to be watched i just gotta figure out when i have two hours to burn to watch that because it's a little long so uh we'll, we'll figure that out um all right so wes why don't you just bring it home with sora oh me all right folks here's the deal it was a massive, massive, about 24 hours in the wrestling world. Um, we are going to start off with, uh, we're actually going to start off in Japan. Ooh. Wrestle Kingdom 10 uh, took place. Um, God, it was like Sunday morning, Sunday night morning. I don't know. It happened in Japan, so it was like a really, really crazy time for it to have to go down here. Um, <clears throat> but Wrestle Kingdom is basically the Japanese equivalent to uh, WWE's WrestleMania. Um, you know, it is the biggest show of the year. They actually do it every year on January the 4th. Kind of no matter what, it's on January 4th. So. Interesting. Okay. Um they start off with some different things. Uh, they start off with a New Japan Rumble, uh, which this year was won by uh, Jado. So congratulations <laughs> to right. Jado. That, that isn't really the part that anyone cares about by any means. Uh, going down it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Bullet Club guy, in case you didn't know it. I'm a Bullet Club guy. We love guy. the Biz Clues. Um, I do love the Biz Clues or what's left of it. Uh, the first big match of the night with the Biz Clues, the Young Bucks. Uh, we're in a, a four a four tag team match, kind of a tag team tornado match for the IWGP Junior Heavy Junior Tag Team Championships. Uh, the Bucks have had it before, and guess what? The Bucks get it back as they defeat uh, Red Dragon, great team, Red Dragon, uh, Rapungi Vice, uh, and Matt Seidel and Ricochet were actually in that match. All of those really good teams. They're all Gaijin, which means that they're not Japanese wrestlers. Most of those guys are Americans, some Canadians in there. Um, really good one. Really, really fun match. Uh, Bullet Club, the Young Bucks, they, uh, they get the championships back. Uh, so that was a big one. <clears throat> um, I'm just trying to hit the big, uh, I'm just trying to hit the uh, highlight of the show um, because because it's all going to come back around in just a minute. Uh, the championship match in the night, uh, Okada beat Tanahashi. Those are two of the absolute biggest guys in Japan. 
Um, they do what they do, and they're awesome at it. Okada, Okada has a lot of real crossover appeal, I think. Um, you know, that's a guy we could be seeing coming to the States in the future. Um, Kenny Omega defeating Kushida, or uh, actually loses his IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship to Kushida. Uh, that will come back into play um, within about a day. Uh, Kenny Omega, a uh, another Bullet Club guy, one of my absolute favorites. I love Kenny Omega. But well, what does it all mean, fantastic. Basil? It's all going to come around. Uh, another match, the Bullet Club, Doc Gallows, Machine Gun Carl Anderson. As you know, Ed, two of my favorites. Doc Gallows, the originator of everyone's favorite all-time wrestler, a man by the name of Sex Ferguson. Uh, they lose their IWGP Tag Team Championships to uh, GBH. So, man, hmm, suddenly there's a couple of Bullet Club guys who lose their championship. <laughs> Okay, okay, stick with me. Next big one, we have the Intercontinental title match. This was the one of the one best match of the night, maybe match of the year already, January 4th. It's done, folks. Um, AJ Styles, Bullet Club member, taking on Shinsuke Nakamura. Nakamura, he's called the king of the strong style, former MMA fighter. Um, Charisma personified. He is fantastic. AJ Styles, known as the phenomenal one, may be the best wrestler in the world today. They put on an absolute classic, about a 25-minute match. Uh, Nakamura knocks off Styles to end it. And, Ed, here's where things start to go crazy. Uh, Styles and Nakamura kind of give each other a show of respect. Next night, they have a big, uh, they have a second big show in Japan. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Kenny Omega. AJ Styles taking on Nakamura and a tag team partner. Omega pins Nakamura. So he and Styles are celebrating. During the celebration, Omega turns on AJ Styles. The entire Bullet Club then jumps out AJ Styles. So AJ Styles, at that point, out of the Bullet Club. He's done. Kenny Omega says that he's coming after Nakamura's um, Intercontinental title, and he's done with the juniors. Okay, sticking with me? Sure. Okay, we'll get to Raw in just a second. Raw's kind of the afterthought, even though we had a massive announcement on Raw as well. At about 11.15 on Monday night, all of a sudden it starts breaking on the internet that WWE has signed or is in the process of signing AJ Styles, Doc Gallows, Machine Gun Carl Anderson, and Shinsuke Nakamura. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. Now, here's the thing. New Japan runs on one-year contracts where WWE signs guys up kind of like a sports team, multi-year contract deal. You know, you go for, you know, you can extend, you can do a lot of things. New Japan runs strictly on one-year deals, which almost all of them exclusively run out at the end of Wrestle Kingdom every year. So in January, that's when the new contracts for New Japan come around. So those four guys apparently have given their notice to New Japan, and we are now awaiting their entrance to the WWE. Um, Nakamura is kind of the wild card here because he does still hold the Intercontinental title in IWGP, so he's going to have to drop that title before he comes over to WWE. And who just challenged him? The guy who knocked out AJ Styles, 
Kenny Omega. So right there, that, that kind of shows you where that storyline is going to go. Now, also coming over Twitter, you're getting Finn Balor, the NXT champion. He's just going crazy. Finn Balor, if you remember from what I've said before, was the guy who started the original Bullet Club with Machine Gun Carl Anderson. They're very good friends. And now all over Twitter, you've got Finn, Bal Finn Balor just throwing up these cryptic messages saying, come on, guys, you're running behind. I thought you would be here already. The Bullet Club sending back things like, hey, man, save us a few of those Balor Club t-shirts. It's all going crazy, Ed. All I can say is that those are four of my absolute favorite wrestlers in the world right now. As you know, I'm obviously a huge Machine Gun Carl Anderson Doc Gallows fan because I spent an entire trip to Charlotte going, what, what, what? The entire time, which of course comes from them and their highly entertaining podcast, Talking Shop. AJ Styles is just amazing. He's called phenomenal for, for a reason. And Nakamura is by far my favorite Japanese wrestler. Ed, we could be seeing a revolution coming to WWE. This is probably the biggest haul of talent that's coming all that, that they've signed all at one time that WWE has done in at least the last 20 years. Oh, you know, obviously you'll get a guy here, you'll get a big guy there, but to get four world, I mean, this is like basically signing. If you're a premier league team, this is like signing four world-class players in one transfer window. Mm-hmm. And that's what WWE have done. Um, rumor is Styles could debut as soon as the Royal Rumble, which is in, I believe, two weeks coming up. Um, of course, on the WWE Network. So that could be fun. Uh, we could definitely see Gallows or Anderson debuting there as well. Uh, that would be the earliest, and that's January 24th. You know, that would be the earliest we would see those guys possibly debuting. Um, or we could see Anderson and Gallows head down to NXT, hook up with Finn Balor, and kind of make an offshoot of the Bullet Club called the Balor Club. But, Ed, I'm freaking jacked is all I can say about those acquisitions, as you well know. Uh, real quick to wrap up Raw, uh, decent show Monday night. Really picked up at the end. We had a match that was built last week. Uh, Sheamus, Roman Reigns, WWE title match. Vince McMahon, the special guest referee. Vince McMahon did everything in his power to screw Roman Reigns this week over and over and over and over. I hope Roman lubed up because he got banged raw by Vince McMahon. Mm. Um, at the end of the night, Roman overcomes the odds. He gets the win as Vince McMahon is going up the ramp, leaving in defeat. He looks at Roman, he says, all right, Mr. Mister One Against All, which is one of Roman Reigns' kind of catchphrases. It's one against all. He said, you've got your wish. It will be one against all at the Royal Rumble as you will defend your world championship in the Royal Rumble match. Oh. Ed, this has only happened once before. 1992, considered the best Royal Rumble ever. Ric Flair debuts in WWF, wins the Royal Rumble, wins the world championship, and it, shockingly, it has never happened <laughs> since. You know, usually WWE, they like to go back to the well when something works really well. Well, it's now happening. Uh, 30 men will go into the ring. Whoever the last man standing who has not been thrown over the top rope, they will be crowned the WWE champion. I will be surprised if it's Reigns, uh, just because it makes for a better story. There are a ton of ideas floating around out there, but that's what I enjoy is that everything is open. Everything is on the table. 
even though I think Reigns has done well as the champion, I think WWE also wants to get the chase going for the title going into WrestleMania. So uh, come January 24th, everything could be uh, flipping all around in WWE. It is, and here with the new additions we know coming in, it is an extremely exciting time for wrestling. Oh, what a time to be alive, Wes. Look at that, I got that in about eight, nine minutes. Here we go. There you go. So that's going to do it for uh, episode 88 of the A Foreign Affair podcast. Uh, Thank you guys so much for joining us this week as we blew through another weekend in the Premier League, a Capital One Cup talk and discussion uh fa cup preview news and notes we talked about dexter manley being an incredible idiot and we talked about colleen dominguez fighting the man we then talked about gallivant and then we got so raw and that's going to do it for this podcast uh we want to thank ngsc sports and ngscsports.com where we never stop even though this podcast has to uh find us on twitter at afa pod find them on twitter at ngsc sports Wes, where can they find you at West Bradshaw 21 the drive to 300 followers is on fantastic I am at Edward Green find us uh, you can drop us a line all new sports show at gmail.com uh, or 1701 Sunset Avenue Suite 201 Rocky Mountain North Carolina 27804 if you're the kind who still likes to handwrite their letters uh, please do join us next week when we'll be talking FA Cup Premier League midweek games and anything else that comes up. I'm sure it's a wild card weekend in the NFL, so something stupid will probably happen. Hey, maybe Johnny Manziel will wear a redhead wig this week. Who knows? All cards are on the table now. No matter he's not playing. Ed, real quick, national title game Monday night. Who you got? Oh, we have, oh Alabama. Roll damn tide. You asked me this on all of our mediums now. And oh, every, I know. I'm and every enjoy. time I forget that it's on Monday night. It is on Monday night, which means I'll watch Raw and then catch the end of the football game afterwards. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll probably talk about that a little bit then as well next week. But, uh, Wes, anything else to add before we get out of here? Upward basketball is underway, and well, it's not good again, but it's better. Uh, well, that's good to hear. Uh, so that is Wes Bradshaw. I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here on the A Foreign Affair podcast. Check us out on podbean.com, ngscsports.com, the iTunes Music Store, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and uh, Spreaker.com, as well as the uh, Overcast uh, app where you can listen to any podcast you want. And special thanks to Samsung, not Samsung, but Samsung, uh, for their amazing microphone and uh, headphones they provided. And by provided, I mean that they had in an online store that someone bought me for a Christmas present to kind of upgrade our uh, our gear here, as well as this, this, this nice microphone screen that can prevent spittle from getting on the mic. So thank you to uh, Margie Mastronato and Zach Webb uh, for getting me that for Christmas. Uh, and until next time, uh, we will catch you on the flip side of these FA Cup ties. Catch you next week, guys. Good night, Japan. Bullet Club is out. Do you think Japan felt the, uh, the earthquake from North Korea? Greatest third world superpower. That's that's really why why the, they're coming over because they want to get the hell away from North Korea. No, that's because North Korea needs to get them the hell away from Japan. Oh. Feels pleased for life. Hashtag that.
You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. 